This podcast contains language and concepts which may not be suitable for young listeners. The following audio record forms part of the department's ongoing investigation into the actions of Eugene Kirkley, a.k.a. Gideon Vermello, and his operations in the town of Alara. Testimonies recorded here are confidential and have not yet been officially corroborated by secondary or tertiary sources. When we were ten, Harmony and I snuck into our parents' cupboard and found the place where they'd hidden our Christmas presents. They got me a toy suction cup bow and arrow, and Harmony a Walkman. <laughs> Remember those? We carefully piled them out and opened the packaging in a way that we hoped wouldn't be noticeable when we put them back inside. We sat around for about an hour, Harmony listening to The Cure's disintegration. God damn, what an album. And me shooting the little arrows, retrieving them, shooting them again. The guilt of opening our presents early and the fear of getting caught was so overwhelming that it completely overrode any joy we had from using them. So we decided to put them back in the packaging. I even restapled the plastic shielding back on and we crept into our room. Just as I was sliding the boxes back into their hiding place at the back of the cupboard, I heard the car pull into the driveway. They were home from work earlier than usual. I was so freaked out that I lost my balance and slipped off the stepladder. As we hear them come in the doorway, Harmony grabbed at me, but then she started to fall as well, so we're both yelping and shing frantically as we heard the footsteps coming up the stairs. We got up and tried to make the bolt back to our room, but ended up almost colliding with our parents' stepladder in hand. Dad asked us, What the hell are you doing with that stepladder? Fair question, by any account. And I said, Um, we were just changing the light bulb. It was broken. We ran into our room and slammed the door and waited for the angry knock. But nothing happened. After about ten minutes, we realised, by some miracle, that we'd gotten away with it. We high-fived and laughed about it for hours. On Christmas Day, we feigned surprise our parents and thought we'd completely fooled them. A few Christmases later, when we were in our early teens, we were sitting around the dinner table and Dad says, Remember that year when you snuck in our room to look at your presents and you told us that you'd been changing the light bulb? And he and Mum laughed so hard they went red in the face. I went red in the face for an entirely different reason and said, I really thought we'd gotten away with that one. Why didn't you tell us you knew? They shrugged and Mum said they thought it was funnier to let us believe we'd gotten away with it. That was when I first really understood that there are layers to every lie. There's what you believe is true, what the other person believes is true, and then what you believe that they believe is true. And that's not even talking about actual empirical truth, which, if it even exists, is a whole other thing altogether. So all the lies that are told about Yulara, that we're Satanists, that we're a cult, that we're drug runners, that we want to secede to be our own state, that we stacked the vote on the council elections by bussing in homeless people in exchange for a few meals, all of these lies take on a life of their own. They become wild animals, and those animals breed and have mongrel offspring. The truth about Yulara, the truth that I am trying to protect, some would argue by somewhat excessive measures, is that it's much more ordinary than that. We're a group of people who have rejected the materialistic, money-obsessed society that, I mean, isn't exactly a roaring success by anyone's measure. Suicide rates, depression, obesity, growing divide between rich and poor, racism, misogyny, locking up and torturing refugees, destroying the environment, these are all status quo in our rich, privileged society. And yet, here in Yolara, we're the weird ones? Because we want to reject that and embrace a life where we can care for each other. Where we can all be one big caring family. Some of those books and newspapers I burnt... 
disposed of. Called Gideon everything from monster, to demagogue, to cult leader, to the new Jim Jones. God, don't papers love that one? The new Hitler, the new Kanye, the new swine flu. I... Hold on a sec. Hey, Marianne. So, my sister's back home. And she's told me lies as well. Some of which I believed, some of which she knows I didn't, and some of which I want to believe, but can't. When I got to the pharmacy and asked for sodium pentothal, they looked at me like I was crazy. Not the first time that's happened. Some folks around here, they see the red clothing and they start making assumptions. I grabbed some codeine and got out of there pretty quick. I guess it was Harmony's idea of a joke. A lot of people would argue that this isn't exactly the best time for humour, but Harmony was never one to follow social protocols. We're at the end of this journey. This journey that... Well, I guess you all have been the audience. Or maybe more of a Greek chorus, going by some of the comments on the message board. River, that way lieth danger, etc. No, it's fine. I know even those of you who doubted I'd ever find Harmony again were coming from a place of love. I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I think this is the end of this chapter. I'm just about to pull into the driveway at Seventh Circle Studios. I'm going to sign off, say goodbye. This next part is just for my family here in Ulara. I don't know what the future holds, nor does any of us, I guess, but I want to say sincerely, thank you. Love and light and... Is that Gideon's car? What are you doing? River, he's doing exactly what it looks like he's doing. Listen to me. Look at what is happening. Trust me, okay? This is the man you've been dedicating your life to. This man, I'm here fucking gaffer taped to a chair and look at him. There is only one way to read this situation. Oh, River, my son, what a joyful reunion. I was just adjusting my belt. Started putting on a little extra weight and I guess I'm too stubborn to accept I need to move up a notch. You can put that guitar down. We don't need to do anything. River, you knew of hidden weapons in this studio and you didn't tell me? You know we don't allow instruments of violence in this place. You have a fucking arsenal in the council's attic, Gideon. It's the kind of collection that would give Ted Nugent a boner. Put the gun down, my son. Come, let us commune together in peace. River, look at him. Fucking shoot this creep and let me go. You can do this. pains me to hear you think so little of me, beloved Harmony. My dearest daughter. River, put it down. Let's talk about this. Don't call me your daughter. Especially not after unbuckling your belt in front of me. I think you're being a little hysterical, my dear. You know I would never do anything to hurt you. I think your time away has given you a dark view of the world. Our family is not so vile and lecherous as the suppressive outsiders that we... Stop talking. Step away from her. River, my child, surely you don't... Do it, River. You know he deserves it. She's been tainted by the outside world, River. She's not one of us anymore. She wants to sow the seeds of disharmony. Disharmony? Really? You want to rephrase that one by any chance? Her soul has been sullied by the temptations and vices of the impure and ignorant. We can save her, River. But she needs our help. You brought her back to us. Let's help her reach redemption together. River, he doesn't care about you or me. 
He just wants a bunch of cloying little lambs to eat up his mountains of bullshit. He's not a prophet. Together we can He's not a deluge. He's a megalomaniac. Shut up! Both of you, stop talking. River, I can... Don't fucking talk to my brother. You keep that forked tongue locked between your teeth or I will rip your eyes out and feed them to the crows. Harmony, remember when you took the scissors away from me? When I took them away from you? Don't you mean... You saved me. You've always been a better, purer, smarter person than me. Well, I think we know one of those isn't true. Here, take this. The scissors or the gun? The scissors. I want to give them to you. You can do whatever you want with them. It's not to me to tell you what to do. It never has been. I'm sorry I tried to save... to control you. You don't belong here anymore. I get that you're trying to be symbolic and all, but shouldn't we... Please, just take them and go. Okay. If that's what you want. One thing, though. Gideon, give me your keys. I don't think that I... You've got a dozen other cars, you fucking megalomaniac. Asking everyone else to give up their worldly possessions while you get around in luxury cars like you're a top gear host. Give me the damn keys. You're lucky that's all I'm going to take. River, tell her she's being foolish. Give her the keys, Gideon. No. Give her the keys. You realise that if I leave now, I'm never coming back, right? And that I have to disappear again. Permanently. You'll never see me again, River. Yes. I know. Will you do one thing? Will you send me a photo of my nephew? Okay. But unmarked post. No return address. I can't run the risk of being found again. You understand, right? Yes. Goodbye, sis. Love and love. Don't say that second bit. I don't want to end on a weird cult mantra. Let's just stick to love. I love you, Ron. I love you too. Goodbye, Harmon. Goodbye, Helia. In a few, you cockatoo. I think we can put that down now, don't you? River? I'm very sorry that you've been deceived as to our situation here. I'm afraid I can't be held responsible for the council's reaction to threatening one of the community. I read an article recently about a man, a musician like me, who had a brain infection. Exactly. The council is like a brain and we cannot threaten its operations with diseases of disunity and... That's not what I meant. He had a brain infection that left him with a very unusual case of amnesia. His memory lasted only a few seconds. In addition, he'd also forgotten his past, his stories, his memories... He was constantly confused, bewildered, afraid. And this is what each of us feels, lost in the wilderness of the outside world. I'm not finished. This man, his name was Clive. He felt as though he was constantly gaining consciousness for the very first time. In a sense, it was though he was dying every few seconds. Can you imagine that? 
every few seconds, forgetting, remembering, forgetting, remembering. He began to keep a journal. At 2.10 he would write, finally awake, then at 2.12, this time really awake, then at 2.15, this time finally awake for certain. After a while he would read over the previous entries and started adding 2.30, awake for the very first time despite my previous claims. He was constantly dying, constantly being reborn. Over the last few months I've felt like Clive. I lose my faith in Olara, and then it comes flooding back, then it slips and regains footing. I am constantly gaining awareness of myself. But I realise it's not Ulara that I doubt. It never has been. I've never claimed to be perfect. Harmony is right about you. You're a megalomaniac. A lost, vile, lecherous man. You do not! You tell everyone that this is a place of bliss and love and kindness, but you keep secrets, silent dissenters, perform unspeakable acts with the women and even little girls. I can assure you that I... I haven't finished! When I came here, you tricked me into harming people. Bad people. People who no doubt deserve to be punished, but maybe also people who could have found redemption. I was a child. A misguided, spoilt little brat, but you made me into a monster. You told us when we arrived that Ulara was a community founded on the principles of truth, forgiveness and love. You told us that people would come to us in droves, that we would be a beacon of light unto which the good people of the nation would flock. But our numbers have only dwindled. You asked me to hide these guns, these tools of death in this studio, in the library, to take places of learning and creation and joy and make them into warehouses for instruments of violence. While you pile up your collection of cars and hidden weapons and your harem of women, the rest of us live in the dirt and suffer scorn. You've heard how they talk about us in the outside world. You cannot listen to those suppressive lies. Do not interrupt me. You have poured poison on the seeds of paradise you once sowed here. You aren't fit to sit at the head of the council. You shall not speak to me like that, or I will... Careful what you say. Have you been recording this? Yes. Along with everything else. I don't need to raise a gun to your head, Gideon. I have records of the long litany of your crimes. You are going to resign from the council and hand control over to me, or I am going to call my good friend at the police station and provide him with a detailed list of your transgressions. (laughs) You're no leader. You're a lost, foolish, naive little brat. That's true. I have been. And I want to thank you for removing the scales from my eyes. You're lucky I didn't shoot you as soon as I walked in the door and saw you. Saw you. (coughs) You gave up caring about the principles on which this community was built years ago. I never did. I believe we can create a better world. I believe that we can gather kindred spirits who are dedicated to caring for the earth and each other. I don't believe you are the man to lead them. You're no leader. You're a spineless, sniveling whelp. They'll never listen to you. And you've been no innocent. If you turn those documents over to the police, you'll be incriminated. Same as me. You wouldn't last a week in prison. A worm like you would be broken and crushed as soon as you walked through that door. That's probably true. But I have the courage to suffer for my convictions. Do you? When I came here, you were everything to me. Father, God, prophet, messiah. My own father was distant and cruel. You were loving and kind. My father was concerned with wealth and property. You cared only for love and community. Now I see that my father was just more honest with his flaws. He was kind enough to be candid about his vices. You aren't honest, or brave, or wise. 
You're just a silver-tongued old man with a lust for power and wealth. You're no better than the capitalist hordes you rail against. You're worse. You're the wolf of Wall Street in sheep's clothing. If you turn me over to the police, then everything we've built here, everything, will crumble to dust. We've built a heaven on earth. You want to burn it to the ground. Maybe. Maybe it will all fall apart. But I'd rather see the ship sink than have you as its captain. You know, in all the old myths about redemption, Sodom and Gomorrah, Orpheus and Eurydice, it's always looking back that dooms the hero. The hero that doesn't quite believe enough to make it to the end without glancing furtively back... You're not a hero, River. You're an idealistic fool. Exactly. I'm no hero, which is why I'm not going to ever look back. I believe absolutely in creating a brighter world, starting here in Ulara. I will do anything to make that happen. I guess... I guess I won't be uploading this last recording. Perhaps I'll keep it as a sort of... audio diary. But even though none of you will ever hear this, I feel like I should still say goodbye. Properly this time. I owe you that much. I want you to know that there is a home for you in Alara. A sanctuary. I want you to know that if you are hungry, we will share our harvests with you. If you are lonely, we will give our love. If you have been wounded... <laughs> Help me, please. Shut up! <laughs> if you have been wounded, we can heal together. For now, my family, I must say goodbye. Love and light. This week's episode was written by J.R.R. Tolkien. No, that's wrong. It was written by me, J.M. Dinellen. Our cast this week was Tom Yaxley. Tom Yaxley appeared in every single episode of this series, and he did an incredible job. Thank you so much, Tom. The wonderful Jessica McGaw, who not only played Harmony, but did so much for this show. Thank you so much, Jess. And, of course, the fantastic Robert Zozars. Sound editing, design, and production was by Jessica McGaw and Damien Campagnolo. Thank you so much for putting in all those long hours. Editing takes forever. You guys are the best. Now, as this is the very last episode of this season... We have to say an extra big shout out to Poisoned Pen Press, our sponsor who helped bring this show to life. It means so much to us. They not only brought out the American edition of my novel, Killing Adonis, they brought that out in the United States. And it was really cool to like see that book in the stores and like all different places in America. It's so cool for me. Um, but they also brought out this podcast. It's a really big deal. Thank you so much, Poison Pen Press. Go and check those guys out. If you like mystery stories like this one, you're going to love everything that they do. They publish a lot of wonderful mystery writers and books, so please go and check out their work. Thank you, of course, to our supporters on Patreon. It's really incredible to have someone be able to support you directly and immediately, and I think Patreon's a great model for doing that. I want to say an extra big shout-out to Anna Cook, Kathleen, Nick Freeman, Juliana Lubin, E.R. Stein, and Alex Luland, who were extra generous with their donations, and that is really fantastic. You guys are the best. If you have enjoyed Season 1 of Six Cold Feet, do me a favor and check out some of my other books. I've written Stenthal Syndrome, which is a poetry collection. I wrote a novel called A Beginner's Guide to Dying in India. My most recent novel is Killing Adonis. I wrote a middle grade fiction novel called Zeb and the Great Ruckus and a bunch of other stuff too. So if you've dug it, go and check out some of my other work. Now, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for season two, we would love to hear from you. We want to do some really big things with season two. It's going to be a whole new story and cast 
on the same theme of musicians in trouble. I've got an excellent idea. I can't wait to share it with you. We'd love to record an album to go with it as well. So we're going to go bigger and better for season two. So if you want to be part of that, you can check out sixcoldfeet.com and then click on contact or just reach us on social media, sixcoldfeet, S-I-X coldfeet. And we would love to hear from you and make some big, wonderful things happen. Thank you so much for listening. Podcasting is such an interesting way to share stories. And we are so grateful to have you join us for this story that we have made. And we're so grateful to have so many wonderful listeners all over the world. So thank you so much. We will see you for season two at some point in the future. Thank you.